Good afternoon and good evening. It is Matt Lornick in for Chris Renwick, and there's a lot to get into today on Sports Wrap. A lot going on with Michigan football. We will definitely hit on that, but there is a story in the NFL that has been consuming the news cycle pretty much all week. And joining us today on Sports Wrap is Dan Lust. He's a sports attorney and the sports law professor at New York Law School. And Dan's going to help us break down everything going on with Brian Flores and the lawsuit against the NFL and three teams within the NFL. Dan, how you doing? I'm good. Pleasure to join you. It's certainly been a, a wild week for the NFL. Yeah, it definitely has. The initial statement that came out from the NFL and essentially Roger Goodell's office saying that these claims were without merit and had essentially no basis of truth to them has now since Saturday morning been kind of flipped on its head where the NFL has said they're going to look into the policies that are in place. What, what does that really mean for the lawsuit that Brian Flores is bringing forward? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a, a huge shift between Tuesday and Saturday. The NFL, I think, rightfully got kind of crushed in, um, well, I think from everyone, right? How, how is it possible that within an hour of this lawsuit, you've decided that all claims contained therein are without merit. That includes obviously the legal claims, which, you know, you, you might hear me say, I'm not sure Flores has the strongest case. Mm-hmm. I think there's certainly some holes in it, not to say that he can't cure it during discovery, but that's the legal case, right? There's the part where there's just the NFL scorecard on diversity, which numbers never lie. I mean, they, they have a very poor track record in diversity. Certainly that's not without merit. And then there's Stephen Ross claims that the uh, owner of the Dolphins who allegedly bribed Brian Flores to lose games I don't know how the NFL would have known that within an hour, um, you know, sending out the, their statement. Um, but, yeah, I think the NFL coming out on Saturday morning with a statement, which they don't normally do, um, and basically saying that we have problems here. We're going to launch a full investigation. I think that tells you that the NFL is now all of a sudden starting to take this very seriously. And what do you think that it might have been that would have put them in that situation of saying, you know what, maybe we should look at this? Because it, it is strange for them. The NFL is such an organization that is, you know, normally good at trying to cover their behind on things. You know, initially that statement came out very quickly, not even saying that we're going to investigate, you know, really to a further extent, but just right away to come off and say, you know, hey, these claims, they are, you know, not with merit at all. How do they get away with doing that over and over again? I mean, that's the NFL's MO, right? They, they, anybody that sues them, they try to make it as difficult as possible. Um, and then sometimes they can get away with it, right? And they'll win on a technicality. I, I think, tr- truthfully, I mean, I, if I was one of the NFL lawyers, I would say this Brian Flores case has a lot of issues from an optics standpoint. From mm-hmm. a substantive merits standpoint, I think there, there's a way to defend this case. I don't know if it's going to necessarily stick to the class action lawsuit. I'm not sure if it stays in a courtroom, might get sent to arbitration. Um, those are the legal flaws in it. But I think what the NFL's problem was here is not understanding the just poor optics of the lawsuit itself, right? And, and in the days after the lawsuit, we saw, you know, um, coaches, black and white, um, past and present, speaking up in favor of this lawsuit. So I think the NFL had to do an about face and say, you know what, maybe it's not about the merits of the case we should defend this on. We should defend it on optics. And, you know, with a sensitive issue like race, like a racial discrimination lawsuit, um, I don't know who was advising the NFL initially, but I just, I just think that was the, the wrong move from a, you know, from an optic standpoint, you can win the case, mm-hmm. right? You can win the battle. Yeah. But if you handle it like that, you lose the war. Now, we've talked about, obviously, Brian Flores' legal team looking for people that want to join 
on this suit. Now, there's been some coaches, as you mentioned, that have come forward that have sort of tried to voice some concerns. Hugh Jackson was one of them. Um, obviously not necessarily the best, it seemed, at first, because he had sort of come out saying that he was also paid by the Browns, and then he started to kind of retract his statement and kind of step back a little bit. What coaches out there do you think could help Brian Flores in this to, to add some validity to that case? You raise a good point with Hugh Jackson, right? Hugh Jackson was one in 31, or I think he finished maybe six and 36 with the Browns. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably an argument he kept his job for too long. And right. then, you know, to say, I, I'm backing up Flores, I was also paid, and then to recant it, it's not, it doesn't really look very good. But um, I guess who knows, right? There's Jim Caldwell. He's the, the coach that was ref- one of the six coaches that was referenced in the complaint. Um, you know, he's a guy that was fired, I think, maybe prematurely from the Colts and again with the Detroit Lions and is not, uh, I don't believe he's coaching in the NFL uh, anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvin Lewis, who had a number of years of success with the as a Cincinnati Bengals head coach, and then you know, had, had a hard time getting a job after that, after having you know a, a decent run with the Bengals for many years. So, yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what, what's going to come first, right? The coach comes forward with uh, hard, direct evidence, or Brian Flores gets into discovery with this class action lawsuit and can poke, ar- poke around, right? And maybe, who knows, right, find an email uh, from another coach in the hiring process or an owner that resembles the emails that we saw in, in the John Gruden saga. I, I think that's what Flores' lawyers were insinuating when they cited to, to Gruden in the case in those horrendous emails. If a guy like Gruden can get to the top of the totem pole, the top of the NFL coaching hierarchy, and have those you know, incredibly bad emails um, you know, that, that came out a couple months ago, mm-hmm. you know, racist emails, sexist emails all, all across the board, um, you know, maybe it's more surprising if John Gruden was the only person in NFL circles uh, to have emails like that. I think that's kind of what Flores is insinuating and, and what, you know, our, our sports media world is saying. If you get this case into discovery, it's certainly a big problem for the NFL. Now, let's say you're on Brian Flores' legal team. What's the next move here? Are we trying to, you know, validate his claims of being paid? Are we trying to get people on board that can also back up his claims of discrimination? What's really the first move for them there? Well, you know, it's funny. I think they have obviously some, they've already, you know, uh, played some chess to some extent, right? They've gotten the lawsuit out. They've gone on the CBS. They've gone on the ESPN. They've, they've made the rounds. I, I think the next approach, honestly, from this point is a wait and see. There's two big dominoes to fall here and two head coaching vacancies that had Brian Flores' name on them, the Houston Texans and the New Orleans Saints. The day this lawsuit was filed was the same day that Brian Flores interviewed with the New Orleans Saints. And he's since been named, right after the lawsuit, a finalist with the Houston Texans. I think if he gets one of those jobs, um, it, it maybe hurts the lawsuit to some extent. Um, you know, I just just call call a spade a spade. I think it would I think it would hurt the lawsuit. Yeah. Now, if he doesn't get either of those jobs, um, I think it helps the lawsuit, right? Because all of a sudden, Brian Flores isn't competing against Brian Dayball, right? Who was maybe the hottest uh, candidate on the market coming from the Bills with that historic playoff performance uh, you know, against the Patriots and Chiefs. He's competing against maybe lesser candidates without prior head coaching experience in the last two years in the NFL. Brian Flores is a unique candidate and a strong candidate, but if he doesn't get any job, right, any head coaching job across all the 32 NFL teams, someone in Brian Flores' position has a right to be angry. And, you know, uh, I think you can, again, just call, call it like I see it. It doesn't really make sense that Brian Flores got fired. And for him also to not get hired, um, you know, is that a coincidence or does it have to do with the color of his skin? And I think that's the point his lawyers would make at the end of this coaching carousel. Yeah, no, it's a very good point. And I think that's always what we sort of think about when it comes down to coaching, right? Sometimes maybe they just have another candidate in mind. And you referenced the Lions. They sort of had that same issue when Tyrell Austin was involved in discussions of, 
you know, should he be the next head coach? Well, then, you know, the Patriots sort of started to move their second guys, you know, into Detroit in the sense of the new hires that they made in the front office. And then all of a sudden Matt Patricia's there and, and Tyrell Austin also being mentioned in this, you know, in this suit in the sense of sort of the same dynamic that, you know, hey, look, this guy was there. He had a chance. He was just sort of the Rooney rule at the time. And, you know, might there be any validation of that? I think what's harder for most people to look at and try and really understand would be sometimes a guy comes in and already knows what coach they want. And so really any interview is sort of just to to save face and say, yeah, we talked to six other guys when I really know who I actually wanted. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, we're highlighting as an issue with the Rooney rule. Brian Flores, with two years of, of, you know, good success with the Miami Dolphins, he doesn't need the Rooney rule to interview for these jobs. He's certainly qualified on his own, right? He's going to get those interviews regardless. Mm-hmm. The story that came out from the New York Giants after the fact is that two days after Brian Flores was fired with the Miami Dolphins, John Mara, owner of the Giants, called up the Dolphins and expressed interest in Flores for the head coaching position. So to me, that doesn't seem like someone, as Flores is alleging, is you know, he's just getting an interview because he's checking the box. It seems like someone that has legitimate interest you know, from the Giants because he's a very qualified head coaching candidate. Yeah. So, you know, the, the problem is for the Giants, uh, and maybe it's a problem for the NFL with this Rooney rule. The Giants, you know, ended up hiring this guy, Brian Dayball, who was the former offensive coordinator in Buffalo. The Giants hired Buffalo's assistant general manager to be their general manager. So the reason they went with Brian Dayball, right, if the general manager worked with the offensive coordinator before, that's probably a good reason to hire someone. Right. You know, it has nothing to do with the color of someone's skin. The Giants are going to have to have be shown through discovery to have, acted, to have acted with some type of racial discriminatory purpose. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't really think Brian Flores is wrong that there's a problem with diversity in the NFL. I just think it's going to be a hard sell to say that the Giants in this instance acted with some type of racial purpose because the guy they hired, if Flores wasn't the you know, top coaching candidate in the market, it was Dayball, right? It was either right. one or the other, right? Or they were in the top three. I, I think you had a better case for someone that was just quote unquote checking a box if they were interviewed and they were a backup special teams coordinator mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're getting a head coaching interview to check a box. Right. Flores was not that. Flores was incredibly qualified. And for this lawsuit, interestingly, for the Giants to defend it, they're going to have to talk about how great of a candidate Flores was. Right. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic here. And then, you know, if you ask me, I, uh, I mean, we didn't talk about that much, but the, the Belichick text, I don't really think they're the smoking gun. People think they are. Belichick is not a coach for the Giants, not the owner of the Giants. Right. So he doesn't really speak for the Giants by basically saying that the fix is in. So mm-hmm. I think Flores has a lot of work. Um, he's a plaintiff in this case. He bears the burden of proof. Um, and we'll see what comes out in discovery. But I think as we stand here today, I don't think we have that smoking gun just yet. Dan, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Very insightful. Great job helping us out with it. Thanks so much for joining us here on Sports Wrap. My pleasure. Anytime. All right. Coming up on the other side of the break, we'll get into some of the Michigan football stuff that's going on. Ann Arbor, is it in a tailspin? People leaving left and right. We're going to find out coming up next on Sports Wrap. All right, welcome back to Sports Wrap. Matt Lornick in for Chris Renwick on your Sunday evening. And now the question that a lot of Michigan fans are probably thinking of is what is going on in Ann Arbor? Because there has been an incredibly long discussion of will he, won't he, yes, maybe, no, kind of, could, might leave the for the NFL. And turns out Jim Harbaugh's coming back. And he's coming back 
which with with what sounds like very, very strong intentions of never leaving again, essentially telling Ward Manuel, listen, I will be here as long as you want me here. Okay. Also says that going to the NFL probably won't be an issue anymore. He says, nope, I'm not interested. This sounded like this deal with the Vikings was sort of his last look at it. Hey, you know what? He even said he talked to Mitch Album and talked about how, you know what? I really thought I want to try and win another Super Bowl. I really wanted to go out there with how close I got last time, thought I could do it. His comments about that were more so in line with if I go to Minnesota and I talk to them and they have as much enthusiasm for me as I have for them, then I'm in and I'm going. Well, that didn't happen. And he ended up calling Ward Manuel and basically saying, I want to be there. If you want me there, I'm there. And now, if you haven't heard, Josh Gaddis, Michigan's offensive coordinator, he's heading to Miami. So... Now you're filling D coordinator, O coordinator, and you also have a coach that is back necessarily not maybe under the best of love from incoming recruits. If you've on National Signing Day have watched your you know, soon-to-be head coach take a trip to Minnesota to take an interview, I don't know that that bodes well. Yeah, how much do you, uh, I wanted to ask you this, how yeah. much do you actually believe the I'm done looking, uh, I'm here as long as you want me here, because I made this this comparison, and now they're worlds apart in what they've done you know, in their careers, but I made this comparison on the Darren McCarty show to Sean and Darren. Night. I see this as the potential to be like the Tom Izzo situation, where every year when there's NBA head coaching jobs, somehow Tom Izzo's name gets tied to all of them. Like He's yeah. a top candidate. When we all know, like Krzyzewski, he's never going to leave you, uh, uh, MSU, excuse me. Right. He's there. But every, So can we expect that for the next 10, 15, however long he's at U of M, that Every year we're going to hear Jim Harbaugh, top candidate for X, Y, Z. Yeah, I think you can because I think it kind of already happened. I mean, there were already every offseason rumors that, oh, he's going here. Oh, he's mm-hmm. maybe going there. Now, before they they had less merit to them than this one did. I mean, this one was very close. And as people were talking about it, you know, like we kind of said, it really kind of did come down to that, like, decision of if they're into me and I'm into them, it's happening. Yeah. So it was very real this time. Now, yeah. Do I think that it's not going to happen anymore? I don't think so. I think he is going to stay there. I think he's also sort of realizing, you know what? I probably am sort of at the tail end of my coaching career, Mm -hmm. and this was maybe my last chance to go to the NFL. Maybe my last look to get a chance to play, or to coach, I should say, back in the NFL and get a chance to go to the Super Bowl again. Because now, being in the Ann Arbor you know, realm of things and looking at that, you're coming off of an incredibly good season. Well, I mean, now you've lost your O coordinator. Now you've lost your D coordinator. So now where are we at? Because now we got to fill those voids. So this is Sports Wrap. Phone number is 800-859-0957. Let's go to Greg in a second here coming up. We're getting him ready to go. 800-859-0957. 0957 is the phone number if you want to call in and join us here on Sports Wrap. Greg, how's it going, buddy? You there? Oh, my God, Matt. Mr. Positive. What's up, Mr. P? I am here. Hey, I like that you're doing the show. Thanks, man. Um, when it comes to Harbaugh, because he entertained the thought of doing it once, he arguably will do it again. I think a lot of people have generalized that he's probably done the best that he'll possibly do in U of M. Uh, And he's probably going to get more money, obviously. 
because of uh, his accolades that he did uh, the last season. Um, but I'm hearing some stories that, from what I've heard, is that it's coming down to the family. His wife, his children want him to stay, his dad, a U of M supporter. But I just got to tell you, because he entertained the thought once, arguably, I think if there's an opening, because the cachet of the NFL is far greater than college, even though college football is very popular, very big. But when it comes to the cachet and the uh, dynamics of the NFL, do you think that because his brothers won an NFL Super Bowl that he wants to? I just don't think he's going to stop. I think if someone comes to him uh, with the right offer, I think he's going to jump ship. And um, you've got to feel sorry for the uh, coaches that he hired for the defense and offensive coordinators because that could have been a little bit uh, embarrassing, if you will. Am yeah. I off base, uh, Matt? No, I mean, I, I think he'll always have that thought in the back of his mind of, you know, could I do it? But I think he also is at a point in his career where the people he brought in as assistants this year and position coaches this year, you you put a lot of young coaches in spots that in another three to four years, I would want to see be head coaches. Like Mike Hart is a candidate that I think another three to four, he could easily be the head coach of Michigan. And, and, and I think if you're looking at it from the standpoint of, Will it be a matter of Jim Harbaugh sort of, like you said, his family thinking of this as we want to stay here, we want to be in Ann Arbor? I think he's very much towards the end of his coaching career in general. I don't know that he has another seven, eight years in him. I think really realistically it's probably, I mean, closer to like the three to five maybe. And and then you're looking at coaches who are there now who can move up in the ranks. I mean, Ron Bellamy is a wide receivers co- or well, he's mm-hmm. coaching defensive backs, but now there's talk that they may move him to wide receivers coach because there's a lot of shaking up that's going to have to happen. But you have a lot of young coordinators and position coaches who I think relate to the players almost more than Harbaugh does. Yeah. I will say I, I believe I believe Harbaugh when he says I want to be here for as long as you want me here. And I really do believe that. But I will say that with the with the caveat that it's going to depend on the phone call. Mm-hmm. Like, let's be honest. If two years from now, Kansas City calls him, you know, Andy Reid's been doing this a long time. Maybe right. he's ready to hang out. And Andy Reid's leaving and Harbaugh, for some reason, is the top candidate mm-hmm. on that. It's going to be very hard if you're Jim Harbaugh to say, no, I want to pass up coaching Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, yeah. Tariq Hill. So I think it depends on the phone call. I don't think he's in the after what he's done at U of M, I don't think he's in the spot where he wants to go in and full rebuild. No. Like we were saying with the Houston job and all right. that. But if the right situation comes along, you yeah. know, and the, the some pieces are already there, say like uh, Seattle, I think it's hard for him to say, no, I, I won't. I'm not going to take that phone yeah. call. You're going to take that phone call. You're going to take that job interview and you're going to hear them out. But as where he is right now, I think he is in his head committed to U of M. For the you know for the rest of his career. Yeah, and I I would agree with you though, Mister Positive. I think you bring up a very valid point, but I also think that he's saying he's here, and I think he's going to be here for as long as they'll have him. So we can only hope. But appreciate everybody calling in. Eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven is the phone number. If you want to join us, we're talking Brian Flores' lawsuit. It's out there. Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan coaching carousel. What's going on there? Hit us up for sports wrap. Eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven. Good evening, Matt Lornick in for Chris Renwick on your Sunday. 
And we're getting into a lot of different things there. On the table for you, Brian Flores, his lawsuit against the NFL and three teams, the New York Giants, the Miami Dolphins, and the Denver Broncos. If you want to chime in on that, it's out there for you. If you want to chime in on Michigan and their coaching carousel of will he, won't he, he's now staying for sure, but now there go your coordinators. Everybody's going to take other options elsewhere. So there's a lot on the table if you want to join in and talk about it. 800-859-0957. We just had Greg call in in the last break and talk about how he is – Still questioning if Harbaugh is going to take a head coaching job in the NFL if it opens up. That's out there for you. If you want to comment on that, we'd love to hear it. We had a few people call in and say that they're just sick and tired of Harbaugh. If you want to call in and talk about it, we're here for it. 800-859-0957 is the phone number. Other than this, there's really not too much going on in the world of sports. I mean... NHL, they're taking the all-star break this weekend. And so they have had a flurry of activity going on there. NFL, it's the Pro Bowl. Nobody cares about the Pro Bowl. Do you get into either of those things, like the all-star weekends for the NHL or the NFL at when all? I, when I was a kid, I did. Yeah, I was always like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to watch all these cool players play. And then I grew up, and I was realizing this is really just boring. I mm-hmm. mean, just let's keep playing. And they've, I loved what they tried to do with the Pro Bowl to hip it up a little bit and make it fun again, where they had the dodgeball game. Mm-hmm. And then they had everybody trying to do, you know, their trick catch where it's, you know, jump off a trampoline and do your craziest catch. Yeah. Now, I mean, that that is a little cooler because now it's reminding me of when I was a kid. And I was like, all right, I'm going to jump into the pool, throw me the ball. Yeah. Like, I'm going to see if I can make this cool catch. I mean, sure. But it's just another weekend for them to fill to fill the space and, and to, to check a box and say, oh, we had an all-star game. Yeah. No, I had a I have a friend who uh, is a big NHL fan. So, like, the... You know the the shootout and all that. He gets really into it, and I was like, "It's cool, but there's only so much you can do before it starts getting gimmicky." Like these guys all dressing up in costumes. Right. And I'm not gonna lie. The Zegris uh, dodgeball goal. It was cool, yeah. but it was just that thing of like, it, it's fun for a minute, and then it's like, I'd rather just watch a real game right. than any of the other stuff. Like the dunk contest in the NBA is fun for the first two dunks, and then someone starts doing weird things that's like yeah. has nothing to do with the game of basketball yeah so. no I, I agree with you on that so i mean a lot on the table for you that we can talk about brian flores like we talked about michigan and their coaching carousel and hasn't really been talked about much on sports rap because last night we had the michigan state post game show that kind of took over the hour that would have been but tom brady has officially retired yes and we haven't had a chance to talk about that on <laughs> sports rap yet because last we were here tom brady hadn't officially retired will he won't he he yeah. has he hasn't Turns out everybody that said, hey, it's just a matter of time, give it time, it's going to happen, those people were right. And those guys who stuck to their guns, Rappaport, or sorry, uh, yeah. Rappaport, yeah. Yeah, Rappaport and, you know, Schefter, those guys basically coming out and saying, yeah, he's going to do it, we just don't know when. You know, they had had him pegged. And are you happy to see him go? Are you sad to see him go? I mean, as a Michigan fan, as as a Tom Brady lover personally, kind of sad to see him go. But- happy for him with the career he's built. And I think it's just, you know, he, I think it was put pretty well by the Buccaneers and and Arians when he kind of came out and said like, you know what? He's a guy who gets to leave the sport on his own terms at the pinnacle of playing at the top level. He, it's not like he had some washed up year this year and, you know, literally almost took his team to another Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. But I mean, he still, could do it as be- as good or if not better than anybody else in the league. Yeah. And to be able to leave at that height, normally people, when they retire, they leave and they're retiring because 
They just can't do it because they've played that last year and it goes terribly wrong for them. Or they or they try to come back for that one more time and it's just not the same. Right. So Tom Brady getting to leave now in the way he has. I mean, I think it's great and I'm happy for him. Sad, but happy. Yeah, no, I'm, we we said it during like during the breaks of last week's show when we were trying to figure out is he or isn't he. Yeah, uh, was that I, I was kind of worried about that. It, is it going to go one more year and that last year is going to be the mm-hmm. the banged up year where he can't really stay healthy and he he ends it not even making the playoffs and it right. just he doesn't look like the Tom Brady that we're accustomed to. Right. So I, I I'm glad he like you said that he got to end it on his own terms. He went out. About as high as you can, aside from winning a Super Bowl. You got yeah. right there. The thing I love about it now is, for the first time, what I feel like in a long time, we have so many questions about mm-hmm. who's going to be quarterback where next year. Yeah. Is Aaron Rodgers going to be in Green Bay? Who's going to take over in Tampa Bay? Right. Uh, the, the one I think is amazing is uh, Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. almost got his team to a Super Bowl, and he's probably not even going to be the quarterback of that of that team next year, yeah. right? you don't hear that very often. Yeah. So I like that question mark of who's going to be where next year and who's going to get that much better with that little switch. And that's what's exciting about it because there's been a lot of talk that you like we mentioned the quarterbacking carousel and what's going on with that, who's going where. All of a sudden now the Titans and Aaron Rodgers are being linked together, and we kind of said that before when we were on Sports Wrap about oh, two weeks ago at this point, and we were having that same conversation. It was after Tennessee had lost the game against the Bengals, and we said, you know what, <clears throat> Tannehill's the issue. Like let's let's work on finding you a quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is a plug-and-play at a lot of places. Or does Rodgers follow his former offensive coordinator to Denver where they need a quarterback? Yeah, and he very well could. And I think, like we've talked about, Aaron Rodgers, you put him in in Tennessee, that team has a very good chance to make the playoffs and make a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And you put him in Tampa Bay, he's got a very good chance there to take that team and make – and I wonder if this is sort of where we're starting to find – quarterbacks going right is it gonna be that Tom Brady has sort of set the standard of just pick me up and put me somewhere and I'll win I'll win you those I'll win you that Super Bowl because I think there's only a few quarterbacks that are in that conversation if Peyton Manning was still playing he probably would be in that conversation Tom Brady definitely in that conversation proved he could do it and now Aaron Rodgers potentially has the chance to get picked up and dropped into a program that just needs a quarterback Mm -hmm. and can he do the exact same thing and, and that's the thing. I Aaron, I, there are three guys in the league right now, and they, they, you can debate it if you want, but Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Now, the latter two are in good situations, mm-hmm. but those are the three guys that I genuinely believe could be dropped on any NFL team, and it's an immediate—I'm not saying they win the Super Bowl, but it's an immediate, noticeable improvement from what it was the year before. Yeah. So Aaron Rodgers, wherever he goes, whether it is Denver, Tennessee, Tampa Bay, all great spots to be anyway— yeah. It's going to be an immediate uh, improvement. So, And I think we're going to see a lot of that. It is going to be these guys get free agency, and uh-huh. they're going to look and see, oh, you need a quarterback? You get yeah. me, and it's a Super Bowl. I mean, we, and, you know, it didn't happen the same way in the sense of Matthew Stafford's age. Matthew Stafford, you know, realistically, still, I wouldn't say young in his career, but mm-hmm. he's still sort of in that place where he's in L.A. probably for, I would say, till the end of it. I mean, he, he could very well maybe be that quarterback that gets picked up and dropped somewhere else at some point in his career. But he's also on a team now where L.A. had to do a lot to get him. And so L.A. gave up a lot 
to get him. And they rolled the dice and they gambled saying, we go get this guy, we're going to have a good chance. And sure enough, look what happened. They've got a great chance. They're playing for the Super Bowl. So it worked in LA when they had the money to do it. But I think, right, we've talked about it, that discussion of who's just going to end up taking that chance and say, sign me for a year. I'll go, you know, let's try and win it. And will it be a matter of guys getting that last chance and then saying, all right, yeah, you know what, never mind, I'm out. Or And will that be sort of how quarterbacks go? And will guys start just, teams, I guess, will they start being in the league sort of just looking at it like, all right, well, let's get all the other pieces we need, and then we'll just go get that quarterback at some point. Why not, though? I mean, if it's if it works that right way and you can go out and draft or free agent sign a top line and get some good receiver, young receivers that you don't necessarily mm-hmm. have to pay insane for, and then you got to look at a guy like Aaron Rodgers and say, let's work out a number mm-hmm. that, one, keeps you here happy, but, two, makes it so we can afford to go get other things to help you along the way. I mean, you look at that. Brady, Tom Brady actually saved uh, the Patriots so much money over the years, yeah. not just saying, give me a max deal and let's get this over with. Right. He did the right thing for it. So, I, yeah, I, I think that's going to probably start being the new norm is yeah. – you know, you can risk drafting a quarterback and spending three years figuring out if he's the guy, right. or you can draft everything else and then get the quarterback. And then, and then that's going to leave some teams having to draft quarterbacks because right. they're not in a running to sign Russell Wilson, Josh uh-huh. Allen, Patrick Mahomes. And you mentioned it, right? We kind of talked about it in the break beforehand, right? The, what is the Patriot way? And really, a lot of people say, like, well, the Patriot way is because of Belichick, because of this. I and I think realistically, you made a very good point is that the Patriot way works when people like Tom Brady take less money and say, go spend that money and get me these pieces, right? In in New England, they didn't have all of the pieces at first. They had Tom Brady, and he had to then sort of be the guy that says, look, here's some more money. Go get me more pieces. Go get me the rest of that so we can go do this. And it kept working. And so I think now the Patriot way, if you're looking at it that way, is really the Tom Brady way. The Patriot way is the ultimate definition of plug and play. Yeah. You look back at those years and these were the like the years where they had the most talent with the least success. In most in most situations, Randy Moss, you don't ever hear of Wes Welker. Right. But Wes Welker was just as important yep. as Randy Moss was. And it's the optimal thing of if you can play for this football team and be effective, you're playing no matter what. It's the ultimate plug and play. And Brady kind of helped set that up. And I think that's where we've talked about it. A lot of teams will get into this formula of let's get the other pieces. Let's get the things we need. And I think a little bit of your Detroit Lions can look at doing the same. I think there's a lot of it that can say Jared Goff can be the Band-Aid for another year. He could be, be even be the Band-Aid for another two years if you had him have to be. But he could do it because you can go get the other things you need and still survive without necessarily having to go get that huge quarterback, that big name. So it's all there for us. We want to talk about anything you want to get in on. We've got, again, Brian Flores on the table. We've got the Michigan coaching carousel. We can talk about your Detroit Lions a little bit if you want to see the coaching staff down in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. They were coaching down there all week long. So it's all out there for you. 800-859-0957 is the phone number. 800 800- 859-0957 Sports Wrap on WJR. Good evening, Matt Lornick in for Chris Renwick on your Sunday. And we're going to get into a few things here that are still on the table if you want to chime in and talk about it. Michigan and their coaching carousel. Jim Harbaugh, yes, he's back. But as of today, we've just learned Josh Gaddis is out. He is heading to Miami. 
not the Dolphins. He's heading to the Miami Hurricanes to take their OC job. So somewhat would say a lateral move, essentially. He's not moving up as a coach. He's staying in that same role he was in, but just going to a different place. A lot of speculation that he's leaving because he was potentially tapped to be Harbaugh's replacement when it seemed like Harbaugh was going to the NFL. Then Michigan recanted, said, oops, never mind. Harbaugh's coming back. A lot of, lot of news is going to come out about this one in the next few days. It's still very early. That story just broke earlier this afternoon. We were also talking about the Brian Flores lawsuit against the NFL and three of the NFL programs, the Giants, Dolphins, and Broncos. If you want to chime in on that, you can as well. 800-859-0957. And we would be remiss if we did not talk about the Super Bowl. A week away, the Pro Bowl is happening right now. Not really much there to worry about. So let's talk Super Bowl and let's get into what's fun about the Super Bowl is the prop bets. Oh, absolutely. And if you're not able to enjoy the prop bets, then you really need to look them up and get into them because there are some amazing, amazing prop bets that are out there. And a lot of things that people don't always talk about is like, well, I mean, what, you know, if you don't know what a prop bet is, essentially it's the fun little hokey bets that we get to make on what's the coin toss going to be, heads or tails? What's the color of the Gatorade going to be when they dump it on the winning coach? How long is the national anthem going to take over or under three minutes? Let's I have say. friends that would pull out stopwatches Amazing. for that one. It's, Amazing. It's crazy. So if you want to talk Super Bowl, it's out there as well because we got the Bengals, we got the Rams. This whole week leading up to that will be sort of that media row week of interviews and press, and you're going to hear all about it from the teams about you know everything that they're looking to do and they're looking to get into and – We've talked about it a lot throughout this postseason, but as Lions fans here in Detroit, are you rooting for Matthew Stafford, or are you still over there saying, nope, can't do it, you're not going to get me to do it. I'm a diehard Lions fan, and I'm not doing it. All right, well, that's fine. I'll tell you, personally for me, I'm doing it. I'm rooting. Mm -hmm. I'm all in. I'm ready. Let's go, dude. Go get your Super Bowl. You deserve it. You, You did your time here for us. You played your heart out. I got no qualms against you. Go win your Super Bowl. Yeah, I wouldn't be upset if Matt Stafford won a Super Bowl. Like I'm not one of those people. Mm-hmm. I still love it. I I'm I will come out and say it. I'm one of those crazy people who thinks it's the Bengals Super Bowl. Uh, the thing that's more interesting for me, and I, I I thought about this, and I actually don't have an answer. My best guess would be the Colts versus Bears one. I can't think of the last time we had two quarterbacks both never having been to a Super Bowl in the same year. It's yeah. I, I've been. I mean, obviously Tom Brady owned a lot of that for a long time. Right. But I was racking my brain thinking about it, and I honestly think it might have been Peyton Manning against the Chicago Bears when he won one with Indy. Because yeah, uh, it, it's it's just so it's it's that's what's cool to see is it's two guys that have actually never been there before, and right. it'll be fun to see uh, how that plays out. And it's just interesting. You mentioned you know two guys that have never been there before, and a guy like Joe Burrow who is still very young, Mm -hmm. extremely young, and came into this league two years ago. Again, horrific injury, puts him down right back after that, and he's able to get his team to the Super Bowl. And he's a guy who, you know, it's funny. He's in these post-game press conferences talking, and they're asking him questions about, you know, is this surreal? Is the moment too big? And he a lot of times will say, no, I mean, the stuff I do on the field, like, that's that's cool. Like, that's easy. I get to, I understand how to do that. He goes, the stuff I don't know how to navigate yet is the social aspect of things. When LeBron James is tweeting at me, telling me, hey, great job, and I grew up watching LeBron James, right? So Joe Burrow is almost this kid that's still out there playing a game he just loves to play, looking at it like... I. I don't know how to do anything else. This is all I know how to do. I just know how to play football. And so, 
I mean, he almost seems like almost the more relaxed yeah. person. And I would agree with you that the if the if there's a team that has pressure, it's the Rams. If yeah. there's a team that has nothing to lose, it's the Bengals. It's like what we said about the Niners a couple weeks ago. They yeah. almost aren't realizing what game they're playing in. Yeah. They're just playing another game. And I agree 100%. You look at if you go on social media and you look at the tweets and the interviews and all that, Joe Burrows is a kid who's living the, the, the dream of most kids. Yeah. And he's not letting the moment get too big for him. And he's enjoying it because... You know, I've even heard him say it a couple times. He doesn't know if this is the only time it's going to happen or it's just the first of right. many times yeah. it's going to happen. So you can't do anything but enjoy it. Yes, on Sunday when the football is set on the ground and it's time to play, mm-hmm. you have a job to do. It is your career to do such. But for right now, you're having fun. You're enjoying yourself. You're a tw- I think he's, what, 23, 24 years yeah. old? Mm-hmm. You're a 20-something kid. Having a you know doing having more pressure than most twenty year olds ever have on themselves. Right. Most the rest of them are all doing internships or yeah. entry level jobs. You're you know you're ship you're captaining the ship of the Bengals to get there. So I, I love seeing him just enjoy himself and have a great time. Yeah. But yeah, this is you know you look at him and Jamar Chase and these guys. These guys are not letting it appear like it's anything more than just another football game because that's really all it is. It's us that puts the moniker of Super Bowl on there. Absolutely. And all of that. And it's us that puts that whole notion of, you know, you are this superstar. You need to perform at this level. And I think luckily for everything that has been happening so far, if we want to look to Matt Stafford as well, Matthew Stafford has done an amazing job of dealing with what should be enormous amounts of pressure because he's in a city like L.A. He's you know, basically been told by every media outlet there, every fan in LA that, Hey man, if you come here, you better get us to the Super Bowl. You're that last piece we need. You better get us to the Super Bowl. And now he's there. And yet he still seems very relaxed in the sense of, yeah, we're here and I trust the team around me. And I think the other really big thing for Matthew Stafford is that he has a very good defense on the other side of the ball. It's and, not bad. and right. So I think if you're Matthew Stafford, you can have a little bit less worry because you've got the pieces you need. You've got Cooper Cup. You've got Odell Beckham Jr. You've got those guys on your side of the ball that'll be able to help you. But you also have a very good defense that will maybe be able to make this kid Joe Burrow feel a little pressure for maybe the first time all postseason. Yeah, this one to me was that, like you said, it almost was since that day that trade went through, it was that he had the only pressure he had put on his shoulder was if you can't win it here, you can't win it anywhere, kind right. of thing. But I think the reason it, he looks so relaxed right now, and I was thinking about this as you were saying it, because I think this is the first time since Georgia that he isn't shouldering the entire franchise by himself. Correct. There's a guy on the other side of the the line, number 99, Aaron Donald, yeah. who's been doing it for a couple of years. You have Cooper Cup, OBJ. You have Von Miller now, who's actually won a Super Bowl and can show them yeah. how to do it. So this is the first time where instead of being franchise saving quarterback, Matt Stafford. He is franchise quarterback of a team where yes. he doesn't have to do it all by himself. And I think that's why we're seeing out of him this relaxed, fun nature because not every week is every win or loss blamed on him. You can say, oh, well, OBJ dropped that ball a little bit that way. Right. We didn't have that for years. Yeah, absolutely. So as we were talking earlier, the prop bets are out there. Here's a few. Okay. Number of planes during the National Anthem flyover. <laughs> Three. Which wide receiver will be shown during the National Anthem first? Because they'll obviously... Oh, Jamar Chase. Yeah. Yeah. Obvious one there. Color of Snoop Dogg's shoes at halftime. Gold. Again, it could be anything, right? It could be. They also say here, the few of the other ones they're talking about, will the National Anthem singer forget or omit a word during the National Anthem? No. No, they won't. No, I don't think so. 
the funny ones too, though. Will the length of the national anthem be longer, or sorry, will be shorter than any scoring drive? Will any scoring drive take Ooh. less time than the national anthem yes. is the prop bet? First drive for the Bengals will be a short one because they'll they'll have to get the jitters out. I'll say. <laughs> oh my goodness! So again, a lot of these are out there for you. The prop bets are fun. It's a great way to enjoy the game. That's all we again we want. We want entertainment. This postseason has been the most entertaining of all NFL postseasons that I can remember. I'm just looking forward to a really good game, an exciting game. And again, hopefully we'll be talking about a good one the following week on Sports Wrap for you guys. But thanks for joining us. Another good hour of it here on WJR. Save it in your phone, 800-859-0957. I know people want to call in and talk. It's a lot easier if you just got us on speed dial. 800-859-0957 is the phone number. That's it for Sports Wrap on this Sunday. Have a great coming week. Talk to you later.